Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's market report. Welcome to the market report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 13th of July 2020. It managed to rain most of this week, off and on, so not very much happened at all. We have had a load of headland craft malting barley delivered to Cantley, Uh, about eight tonnes of it, and it was 1.58 nitrogen. So we've started our bulk of perfect malting barley. That's rather exciting. We expect this weekend for there to be a bit more activity with a high pressure coming in and a few days of dry weather. So I think, uh, yeah, we should be going properly this week. How exciting is that? So we're going to start with, uh, let's start with barley. I've got no idea what the malting barley price is, so we'll make that as we go along. When we get a clear picture of what nitrogen levels are, it might push up the values of low nitrogen stuff. Let's work on an assumption it's 130 X farm. We will have to find out what the nitrogen levels are running like and what the screening levels are looking like. So my instinct says low nitrogen stuff is going to be hard to find. Under 165 nitrogen winter barley is the stuff we really want. Between 165 and 180, we'll have a place, we'll put it, which will have a market probably. Uh, Above that, I'm afraid, I think it's going to be feed. We shall see what comes our way. Obviously, how the spring barley crop is developing will be relevant and important to that decision. And we'll have to guess about what that is actually going to be. But it is great to get started. And uh, yeah, we would just appreciate St. Swithin's Day, which is the 15th, being nice and dry. So you've got a nice, easy harvest and everybody's, you know, snug, warm and comfy at their slightly lower yielding crops and no moisture claims and everybody's happy. So moving on to oilseed rape, early yields of the first crops are appalling. Uh, undeniably, one to two tonnes a hectare, ranging down to three quarters of a tonne a hectare, which is disastrous so um, anecdotally later drilled seems to be coming out better so the stuff that got away pre-beetle in the autumn apparently was slaughtered by the spring larvae of the lovely little beetle so things are not great on that crop and a lot of you will be kicking it into touch for a year or two I suspect mind you there's one less mill at the moment isn't there uh, we don't still don't know the damage of, of Erith and quite when they're going to be up and running properly but we are grateful that they've cleared out our year-end stock and put it on a boat. So uh, thank you, ADM, for doing that. It was important. And uh, yeah, the shed, as far as I know, it is empty. I might go over there and find they've left a couple of loads. But I think we needed to get that gone and I appreciate the help. Moving on to um, feed wheat. Well, old crop is still hanging on by its fingernails. There's still trade to be done. A rough value, X farm, 156, 157. Not a lot of life in it. Not many people trying to buy it. Uh, I think every home that is available will get taken. There is enough wheat out there. We're still emptying our futures stores. There's still grain to be moved. It's halfway through the month. There's two weeks to go. There's a thing called penalty rents with futures grain. I don't expect to be using them this year because I think uh, everyone will clear out what they've got. But, you know, it has been known in the past where there's a surprising last-minute rush of people selling their crop to empty the sheds ready for their barley coming in. 
New crop, much more exciting. There's been a market that's moved up again. We've had a, no particular reason for it. There's a few smaller crops around. The Russian crop's been written down a bit more. The French crop is expected to be a little lower. So there's various reports coming out saying the crop is smaller, but it's still a surplus production. So if Russia comes down from 82 million to 78, that's 4 million tonnes off in total from their highest prediction, but they've still got 30-odd million tonnes or more that's going to be onto the world market and you know there's lots of it to come there is some pretty serious heat around some parts of the world especially around north of the black sea at the moment whether that's too late to do any damage or not we don't really know but it's it's there and there's a a meaningful storm hitting parts of the u.s on their corn crop and there's also uh you know very dry areas in the states on their corn crop as well the acreage for that was dropped a couple of weeks ago so There's a USDA report today, and it might be mildly bullish, so it might just take it up a little bit. I believe that once combines get rolling properly, this is assuming the weather does kind of start behaving itself, and the worry about that is that the jet stream this week was originally giving the north of England a soaking, and we were kind of dry-ish. And it changed to being we were going to get a soaking, and we didn't. We got a sort of little bit, and the jet stream dipped enough to give the south of England a good uh, wad of rain. So I think that, that jet stream looks slightly concerning at the moment I, you know it, it would be great if it behaved itself and then we got the high pressure certainly early doors on the winter barley but it looks like it's misbehaving and it doesn't feel like we're going to get a good run of dry weather at the moment but again it's the the age-old issue isn't it so with that in mind the prices of wheat for new crop have come up so and i think it's more to do with the point i was making is that there is more buyers and sellers there aren't very many buyers but there's still more of them the sellers are not there the farmer is not engaged in the market at this time and with that you cannot have more buyers than sellers without the market going up and at some point there will be sellers and i think that's uh well that will come depending on whether it's a wet or dry harvest and how much space people have got in their barns and how quickly their barley's moved etc etc doesn't sound like rape is going to tuck you up with too much space being used so values, old crop 157, new crop uh, November 164 at time of recording, which would make September 161. It would make our harvest price 155. That means immediate movement, which is pretty pretty punchy, I reckon. And if you're selling it for next May, you'd make 169, which would mean 170x farm for June 21. If you're selling it X the store for that period, you'd be about 173, 74 for May movement because store Hailsham gets a premium. Premiums on soft wheat are still good on new crop because there's a lot less soft wheat in the ground. It's always dangerous to sell a, a milling wheat before harvest because it might get rained on and you won't have the hagberg or the kilo weight. But um, if you are carrying crop over, there's a pretty punchy premium. You know, it's not doesn't equate to twenty pounds, but it's it's not far off it. It's kind of sixteen, seventeen pound premium probably from the X farm value. That leads on to a thought to be had. Nov twenty one. That market's also been dragged up by this recent rally. At this moment, you could make one hundred and forty five X farm for Nov twenty one. And bearing in mind how many acres you are planning to uh, plant this year and th- the potential of the UK post-Brexit and an enormous surplus wheat crop, I've got no idea what's going to happen and neither does anybody else. So let's assume we can export to somebody who takes it all away and therefore that's not a very good price. It kind of is a decent price. 145 for feed wheat is 
decent. So that one needs to be starting to be logged in your brains. I think we need to start thinking harder about that crop. With that happy thought, get those combines greased up, get out there and give me something to do. Come on. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. DroneAg has launched Skippy Scout, a new, easy-to-use mobile app which is helping farmers walk crops more efficiently. Skippy Scout automatically flies a drone to capture leaf-level images, which offer vital broadacre crop insight. Skippy Scout is just £30 per month and can be used with most drones. The app is five times faster than walking crops on foot and provides high-resolution images that can help to identify weeds and pests. If you want to see more of your crop in less time, visit skippy.farm today. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This morning I've got with me Ian Dean and Ian is the Health and Safety Director at Ailsham Grain Limited. He's also a farmer member of the store. So good morning, Ian. Morning, Andrew. And the reason we've got you in today is we're going to be talking about a completely new scenario for us, which is the COVID-19 and the procedures we've now got to suddenly do. Yeah, it's time consuming slightly and we're trying to keep the store flowing as quickly and efficiently. And it's it's keeping everyone safe. All new ground. That's the goal. Absolutely. Let's start with um, first things first. You know, you're a farmer. You are about a stone throw and a half from the sea, aren't you? How many miles does a crow flies to the the sea? I can see the sand dunes from the bedroom windows, put it like that. And if the tide comes in? Yeah, I'm at sea level without a high tide. (laughs) It's the area that I guess got flooded in the 57 flood, is it? Uh, Yeah, the water came in through uh, sea pooling. Uh, It just caught the tip of the farm, but mainly headed towards Eccles, I believe. It's lovely land. You grow good crops of wheat. You don't always get it dry, do you? No, it's the joy of being near the sea. You just, you know, we're glad that we were in Elsham. That 90% moisture level really helps us getting a combine yeah, it's going. A, a microclimate in the middle of summer when it's you've got broads one side and sea the other. And so you're going to get lots of moisture, aren't you? Yeah. Which leads on to, you know, the other thing is that years ago, the farm used to stick its wheat into your barns and store it for a few months, I guess. Do your barns make more money now that you don't do that? Yes, certainly that. Uh, you know, um, I don't know if, if they're less hassle. Sometimes customers have give you feedback you're not always expecting. But uh, Well, yeah. you, t- you turned your barns into a wedding venue and a bed and breakfast or a holiday homes. and Yes, we had these lovely brick buildings that were no good for modern agriculture. Yeah. And at that point, my wife was in the middle of reviewing her career. And she announced that she would no longer be an HR manager and wanted to start something from home. So the Dairy Barns is what we naturally came up with eventually after lots of scratching and planning and various business plans. So, I mean, free plug, what's your what's your website? It's uh, www.dairybarns.co.uk. And if you look it up, you will be amazed at what you can do with the grain store or, or as you call it, old brick buildings. But the point, the key point we've we've covered on several occasions is Several farmers have outsourced their grain storage to a, another firm, i.e. Alsham Grain, and then turned their asset that could be described as an old shed into something that is actually profitable, unless you have COVID-19 suddenly bursting onto the scene and smashing a hole in every wedding that was booked. 
Yeah, uh, not a particularly great subject for my wife at the moment. Um, trying to rearrange numerous weddings, everyone's big day. I think we're going to have a very busy 2021, um, having been quiet in 2020. From a commercial perspective, anyone with it, you know, we, we have some holiday homes up at Munsley and yeah, there's been nobody in them until this weekend but I think we will see an upsurge in UK holidays I think so at the moment and the staycation is definitely a key word again isn't it because uh, I'm not sure people really want to sit on an airplane and um, with lots of other people in close proximity anyone who goes on an airplane is thinking about what exactly is the point is it the cheap holiday or is it the I don't give a damn because I'm young and I'll pass it on to my loved ones or I don't know. Well, I do remember, I think there was a lady on Jeremy Vine not so long ago saying it was her, her right to have her two weeks in the sun. Yeah. Strange views when in the middle of a pandemic, I thought. If an aeroplane has 330 people on board, every third aeroplane's definitely got a person with COVID on it. So then how many people on that aeroplane will have COVID afterwards? Now you could say, well, probably none of them. But I don't know. I think it's fairly obvious you're a confined space for four and a half hours. You're yeah. going to be breathing. It's just so how many, t- how many times have you been on a flight, Andrew, and suddenly you've got a cold a few days afterwards? Well, exactly. But then, you know, then did we ever wash our hands enough? Did we, were we aware of all the, all the procedures we were about to go through? Were any of us aware just how dynamically important it is to wash your hands a yeah. lot and mask wearing? And touching surfaces, I'm afraid. We all touch common surfaces, mm. door handles, etc., etc., handrails. You know, they're all key you points become, You become aware, don't you? You suddenly do. Well. I, I don't know about you, Andrew, but if it's a push door now, I'd rather put my hand up. I have been using my elbows. Yeah, see, webby headbutts them. <laughs> <laughs> Last week we had Paul Everton on, and Paul very clearly that the key message from him was just keep doing that. You know, protect other people. And you protect other people by either A, wearing a mask in a public place, especially if you've got some form of sneezing issue, and keep washing your hands. You will do more good protecting people by doing that. And that's that, that kind of brings us nicely on. Here's a wise piece of advice for any young person who's asked to be a director for the first time. The next question is, okay, what role would you like me to fulfil? Would you agree with that? Absolutely, Andrew. I suppose that was the one thing I didn't ask when I was several <laughs> years younger. Who's retiring and what do they do on the board? <laughs> Should have been my next question rather than I'll consider it. Yeah, but it's what wiseness comes with age. Oh, it does. It does. And uh, experience, definitely. Yeah, well, health and safety is, by definition, the short straw. Just for, just for you out there who thinks, oh, I'm going to be a director. Health and safety director means you're the one picking up the soap in the prison. <laughs> Normal health and safety, you know, from when you started to where we are now, and Graham Bunn had done the job before you yeah. and done a fantastic job educating people who really weren't, we weren't inclined to want to do anything because it was kind of, mm, I'm not wearing that jacket. The culture began to change, but you've had the hard yards, haven't you? Yeah, insurance companies viewed the risks differently. And if we wanted to keep lower premiums, we had to move along and get in line and make sure people are wearing things like uh, high-vis. Mm. We've come a long way. We're proud of where we've got to. We've had a spot inspection, and we got through it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other side of the health and safety is the paperwork side, having mm. the risk assessments in place. Procedure. Uh, and the pr- all the procedures. Mm. And we got a very glowing report with our spot inspection. Mm. Quite scary at the time, but we were very pleased to come through it. And I think we were downgraded in terms of risk from how the health and safety executive then you know, looked at us. 
Yeah, no, which is great. And, and, and we've used a third party, haven't we? Yeah, we use an outside consultant. Um, as we said earlier, I'm a farmer by heart and I'm no expert on this. And every year things change. Nigel Robinson comes in twice a year. Well, we've, we've had people, you know, the, the anecdotal stories about I always leave a spanner in the wrong place so they can find something is the attitude we kind of had for a little while. But the, the truth is we don't want him to find anything. He's determined to find something. But if it really is a minuscule item or, or a extreme what-if scenario, that means we're really doing our job properly, which, you know, he, yes, he's got to find a reason to be worried about something. You know, it took some changing... Of, Certainly my attitude. I could just see it as a, oh, really, job's worth, you know. Uh, and you have to change. If you want any culture to change, you have to follow that culture yourself. You have to believe. So, you know, if it converted me, then everybody everybody else is in that uh, yeah, model now. Absolutely. You've got, every, got to have everyone on board. There's no good asking your members' staff to arrive in high-vis if your own staff aren't wearing high-vis themselves. Yeah. It doesn't set the right tone. We have changed the culture and people have now embraced it, haven't they? Yeah. And we've tried to keep it practical as well, not tie ourselves up in knots with it. Which, which is like, this is a bit like a radio show, seamlessly we move on to the procedures for COVID because it's, this, is, this is going to be strange, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, you wouldn't think we'd be fighting a disease by running a grain store, but we have to look at it and see what we can do to limit the risk stroke exposure for our staff, for our members' staff when they're delivering the corn for the, for the lorry drivers as well. It's all about how we all interact with one another on the site, I'm afraid, yeah. uh, from social distancing, which will vary as government advice changes, yeah. as will all of these procedures will change as government advice changes. I, I, think, I mean, I think that as long as we're very clearly trying to keep people, you know, it's awareness, isn't it? Consciousness. There is going to be different procedures. In the end, a, a, a tractor driver turns up. He's got to unwind the top sheet before he comes on the Weybridge. So there's an element of, of getting out of the cab. And we, we had a debate about this uh, a few weeks ago where, you know, quite rightly, if you write a procedure saying, right, you've got to stay in your cab, well, obviously there's a practical moment when, when they can't. And the other thing is some of these guys, you know, they, they spend a lot of time in a cab on their own, don't they? Listening to my yeah. podcast and loving every minute. When they see their old mates that they've been seeing for the last 30-odd harvests here, they get out and rip the, the mickey out of each other. Yeah. And it's, it's the fun, isn't it? It's the whole... Absolutely. You look at each other's grain, don't you, and say, well, are you thrashing that or not? <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. oh, your admixture looks a bit high. But unfortunately, we've got to look at this totally differently now, how we interact. And as you just said, Andrew, you know, you've got to get out of the cab to be on the waybridge, to unsheet uh, and to resheet. And when you're tipping or if you're loading, if you're taking away. But we are going to have to ask, if you're not doing that, that you wait sensibly in your cab whilst you're on our site. Two lines of thoughts. Obviously, you can't interact with each other. And also, from the pure health and safety point of view, you're safer in the cab and less likely to be run over by a moving vehicle on the site. Well, we have places where people have to be when they're tipping. And you can't sit in a tractor cab when you're tipping just in case it's a wet load and it slips and and the drawbar comes up and kills you so there's there's all sorts of things we know from normal health and safety but it's when you're in the waiting area you can't get that close can you no you can't we've got to keep our distances basically Mm. and we've put in multiple sanitizing stations so Mm. we ask you to use that Uh, we suggest each time you get in and out of your cab 
that uh, you use the sanitising stations. Yeah, uh, alcoholic gel kills the bug on your hands, breaks the thing down. That's what Paul told us last week. So you're going to be squirting your hands all the time. And, and do you know what? That will make you healthier and everybody else healthier. And every surface you touch on site will not have any problem because of that. So extra procedures. So they turn up, they unsheet, they get in the cab, they come on the way bridge. Yeah. The next difference is they, they go on the way bridge, not allowed in the office. No, I would say as you get out of the cab, sanitise your hands. There's sanitising stations on the way bridge. Yeah. Cannot go to the way bridge office. You have to walk round to the side of the way bridge to the side window of the way bridge office. Well, it's kind of where the cab door, isn't it? Is that one directly where the... tend to get out on the left, don't you, on the tractor, Andrew? So it's, it's the oh, opposite. Yeah. With me. Lorries, lorries on the right. Yeah. Wander around. You're, you're right. going to have to wander around the front of the tractor, <laughs> yeah. down the side between the Weybridge and the office, and it's the side window there. Yeah, just under the stairs. So yeah. that's the first thing. That's where you're going to be, even if it's raining, which is just how it's going to be. Yeah, I'm afraid it is. And you'll be weighed. The sample will be taken. Present your part. Don't forget, present your yellow passport. Yeah. We now, need... Originally, that with your sanitised hands, our staff are sanitised, gloved or whatever. Yep. We've got a procedure for making sure we... So the staff in the lab will be sanitising each time they receive paperwork and each time they pass paperwork back through the window. Yeah. So you're weighed, you're tested as normal, but you're standing outside, you're being, your passport's in there. You then wait further instruction to go to the go to the perfect bin or to go to the not quite so perfect bin or the whichever one yeah bin or then you get across perfect, the trading course, team and go <laughs> so no, that doesn't change <laughs> you don't know he's talking about that boy once that's happened you then go as normal down towards yeah. the the pit yep you go to a a pit you obviously won't see rob in the window of the control room and he will tell you when it's ready to take the corn you tip as normally you would. Again, there are sanitising stations there. And the place you stand? The usual place behind the pit towards the machinery yep. silo side of things, so traffic on the other side won't run you over. Yeah, there is that. Whilst you're wearing your high-vis, of course. It's a fairly tight space where they turn around down there. Everybody knows where to be. It's not a racetrack anyway. No. So once they've done that, nothing's much different about that whole process. No. But sweeping up. Sweeping up. So obviously, shovels and brooms are a common touch surface. Mm-hmm. No sweeping up will be done by whoever's tipping. Our staff will be doing it, so that would be Rob and Niall. They're really chuffed about that, I'm sure. I'm sure they're just looking forward to it. It was that or keep sanitising the broom handles, so they decided keeping it in the shed was the easier option. I've got to say... Some people are fantastic about sweeping up, and some people are rubbish. I have noticed that when I've been tipping myself. You know, some people just brush it off the top, others clean up all around the edge of the pit. And, you you know, it's one of those things where some people genuinely think, oh, what about the person after me? What about the staff that work here? And they really do a yeah. good job. I don't, we don't mind because it goes all day long. At the end of the day, we have to sweep up anyway. But And some people pick up the odd tree branch and a bit of straw that's sitting on the grill and put it in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> others just leave it there to collect a little bit more, don't they? They do. It, but then, yes, yeah, so maybe, maybe as all avid listeners, there won't be any tree branches left on there this year. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we always get enough to make a good fire of oak by the time we, yeah. The, the End of season barbecue, I think, Andrew, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, you know, we have, we've, last year we introduced a barbecue. Now, this, the, what do we do this year? So you, the, we've, got the, we've got the River Bure just across the way. And uh, Josh, I think it was not last summer, the summer before, just went and, uh, put some bacon on a thing and a net and he caught 67 crayfish just like that and brought them down and we barbecued them it was awesome you yeah know, so free food and all very very groovy we do occasionally have a burger or two down there as well so i don't know i guess we'll have to kick that one in touch as well 
we've gone through the procedure for people coming in when they when they leave they've got to pick up a physical wage ticket yep so same procedure at the front again yes but uh, go to the window obviously sanitize your hands you'll be given your wage ticket you don't have to sign it this year because again that's a cross-contamination issue with pens staff will obviously sanitize their hands before they pass it back through the window mm. obviously if you've got symptoms we don't really want to see you on site at all so let's, let's be aware of yeah. that you know if, if you think there's a possibility you've genuinely got a bug then don't that's not don't, don't come. Don't put us in that position where we've got to ask you to go back with a, tra- a tractor and trailer load of corn untipped. Reality is if someone turns up, we aren't going to know whether they have or whether no. not. This is about other people and about peak time of work. Yeah. And if you've got a cough or a hay fever or something, wear a mask. You wear the mask at, just for the bit where you're interacting with people. That is a statement of actually, I'm thinking about you lot because it's you sneezing, not the other way around. We mentioned about aeroplanes earlier on. I am going to say this. One of our sample runners is due to start next Monday. We've just discovered he's taken a week's break in Spain. We've contacted him and said, look, you know, you obviously now can't start for 14 days. And I know the government hasn't said that's a rule. But if you're going to go to Spain on an aeroplane, you are young and you aren't going to catch it. And why is no problem, is it? Do you know what? If you walked into the grain trading office at the start of harvest and gave them COVID-19 and decimated the staff for a period of time in the time when they really are at their busiest and they've got millions of things to do and the grain store staff, you'll come across them somewhere along the line, no matter how many procedures, and you take all that lot out as well or one or two of them out, it is the most unbelievably stupid thing to do isn't it but when you're young andrew you 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 view risk differently don't you they don't realize they're putting others at risk is what but my it's, point it's just it's one of those yeah. you know and and what is the responsible thing to do for us we have to say you you know just by probability of being on an airplane there's a massive increase in chances you're going to have you've got to do the two weeks haven't yeah. you Maybe we, a test as well that, that can bring yeah, the two weeks down. I think we'll have to do that. point is that we're one sample runner down now for a couple of weeks, which is, that's okay, it might get going slowly and we won't be really desperate, but it's just mildly irritating, isn't it? It's one of those things, Andrew, dealing with the young of today. I'm sure when I was his age, I would have done the same thing, probably. I wouldn't have thought about it. No, but your age, did we have COVID-19? No, we didn't. But we did have aeroplanes. I'm not that old. (laughs) The thing I'm conscious of is, you know, the sample procedure. So people are going to come in with samples and they kind of, they come in with a sample to know whether it's dry enough or to know whether the nitrogen's right to mix with other bits. And they kind of want an answer there and then. And that's a slightly sticky one for for us. It is. We've always prided ourselves of being a service to our members and giving them information quickly so they can make the quick decisions. We've come up with a drop-off procedure, and yeah. we would will try our level best to do it whilst you wait. Yeah, um, you can't stand looking over their shoulder in the in the lab anymore. No, you, to double check we're not fibbing about what things are. I, I guess that's why people do that. You're going to have to take as read the, the result. Bearing in mind it's a Harvard student doing the testing, it isn't you know yeah. me going. I'll tell him it's one point nine and have that as whatever the merchants are supposed to do. It's going to be a drop off outside the window, the other side of the lab. Isn't yeah, it? so the lab end of the building. There's a drop off table. Uh, there should be some sample bags provided because I believe farmers are notorious for kept bringing buckets in and all sorts with samples mm-hmm. in. Yeah. So there'll be bags there. To, we ask you to fill in your details. Put a a contact number, just in case we can't do it there and then. Yeah, please leave the pen. Please bring your own pen, Andrew. And we'll do our level best to to do it there and then. But there will be times, possibly, when the Weybridge is really busy and the lab staff can't do it there and then. We are putting extra people in the lab. 
Yep. So that should ease the situation. Yeah, we should be able to achieve, if someone's in a real, you know, there is a point when you change fields and you've got a store that you could say, look, this one, I, I think this one's was planted at a different time, was following a different crop. It could well be markedly different from my perfect malting barley. I need to check it out. We're understanding yeah. enough. I'm sure we, you'll get an answer quick enough. Yeah. If you let us know, we'll do our level best, won't we? Yeah, yeah. We, I'm sure we'll do it. It is going to change. And, and some people have not bought into COVID-19 and all of this, all this rubbish. It's a case of, we're not trying to be rude. We are simply doing, we've had Nigel in to give us a procedure. Yeah. We've worked l- really hard at, at coming up with a way that says, we believe this reduces risk down to as low as possible, which means that everybody has to stick to that. Yeah, and I mean, the worst case scenario, if we did have an outbreak here at Elsham, is we would be shut down mm. during harvest. It's a rid or informal disease. Mm. And the thought of being shut down is not one I really relish. No, no, that would be particularly bad for a grain store. The other thing we've missed, we should have just talked about, is high vis. Yeah. We're always warm and friendly, and if you have forgotten it, in the past we've loaned you one of ours. We had a great board meeting about this, didn't we, the other day? And uh, the reality is there is about 750,000 Aylesham grain high vis jackets out in the Norfolk countryside from previous summers, isn't there? Yeah. Good advertising for us, really, isn't it? Absolutely marvellous, especially if you uh, frequent the Jolly Farmers in uh, Swanton Abbott or you, uh, I don't know, whichever pub the lads go to. But the reality is, high vis is a fact you have to have on, and people just don't. We give them a jacket, and they they, they do sometimes forget to to return it. Which is fine, it's only a high vis jacket, it's a store member, but it has got a bit repetitive. So this year, yeah, we have got stock of them, but do you know what we're going to do? I think there's going to be a small charge, isn't there? Yeah, well, else the, the board decided that, you know, yeah, it's only been 20 years you've had to wear them. <laughs> so hopefully you've kind of worked it out. And I appreciate you like to get a nice new shiny one every single year. So what we'll do is if you haven't got one on, we won't expect you to dip your hand in your pocket, but we will charge whoever the farm is that yeah. you're working for. A token amount will be charged just to... Uh, I don't know. It's, we, we're at the point where everyone yeah, should have the, them. The trouble being, we couldn't have a pool stock that everybody wore because it's a contamination issue and cross-contamination. Yeah, exactly. So there you have it. You, you, you either bring your own jacket or you can have a brand spanky new one which your governor is going to buy for you. I'm sure he'll appreciate it at the end <laughs> of the season, particularly after the barley's been downgraded. Did you, what, what do you think about that... Um, the explosion in Tilbury Grain Terminal. Yeah, I pricked my ears up on that. I'm guessing it's dust-related, Brandon. T- totally, yes. If there's, a, there's footage of it going up, and there's yeah. a second one goes off straight, you know, straight after the first one. Pretty hefty moment. Yes. I, mean, I wouldn't want to be the health and safety director there. Well, no, that we've got all the blast panels. Yes. All of our conveyors are now three years old. We've yeah. really revamped the uh, whole everyone's place. Everyone's got we? a blast panel, and specifically for blast this. Blast panels. So we should be good with the dust extraction. You know, when you run a grain store, you can't see a risk of something as, as silly as that, but a spark in a dusty environment. The results the are pretty catastrophic. The top of a massive con- concrete silo. And the fire's still going in some places, apparently, in, in the silo. Yeah, it's, it's just so scary. Preventable, mm. you know, so preventable, but, yeah, you've got to treat things with respect. Well, 20... 21 years ago we didn't have an adequate dryer is the truthful thing and we had a wet harvest and we couldn't keep up and the dust extraction was struggling and everything was like run down we didn't spend money on maintenance like we have now i mean our chairman bob has been superb yeah in his maintenance hasn't he yes i mean i think we've nearly renewed virtually every elevator and conveyor yeah we? it is up top was the bit that we finished this year yeah. and there's a brand new fan outside i mean rob outside is running out of ideas what to spend money on isn't he he doesn't struggle though does he, he always comes up with more he can't 
actually now he's we've, yeah. we've had this conversation so the point is that um when you see an explosion at a well-established obviously very very important grain terminal it just reminds you the responsibilities that you hold yeah it does and you know going forward it just reimburses that spending the money we have on health and safety has been worth it if you go back to the original point about drawing the short straw as a director if you do what you've done take in outside professional advice twice a year write your procedures down train the staff get the staff engaged enjoy you know so you and rob are the people who do this as a unit as opposed to dictating when or if something terrible happens because it can still accidents do happen they they do happen you can say we had assessed everything that we thought was going to happen and if there was something outside that assessment bearing in mind we've got third party observations that means you won't be the one going to prison i really feel that this site has thought it through thoroughly I, i think you've hit the nail on the head andrew um when something does go wrong, this, the current culture is always blame and, and who to attribute the blame to. Mm. And why was that not done? You know, it's been your responsibility. And insurers are always looking to wriggle out of their responsibilities. Yes, they are. But it, there, there have been grain stores where there have been just a silly moments. You know, there's, you know there's, there's some stories I can recount. I won't, actually, because it will be painful to people who knew, knew the individuals. But, you know, other than people drowning in grain silos, you know, or augers chewing people up there's been some you know things where people were hauling kit up by a rope to get to the top of the thing and stuff fell out and hit someone on the head there's one where they were pulling on a rope i can't remember exactly what it was but it actually gave too much or there was there's a weakness in the in the gangway and bang the guy fell down and so there's a whole host of things and we had a you know before our maintenance days the biggest lesson we had before bob took over was we had a uh, an intake bin Collapsed, didn't we? we yes. Had the, the hopper-shaped bottom, the the rim of that was 20-odd years old, 30 years yeah. old. And um, one day, it was full of 200 tonnes of grain, and the, the bolts started going ping, 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 firing off in every direction as the bin went down, and the whole bottom just fell flat. And if someone had been underneath that... Well, it had been catastrophic to that person. We were very lucky that nobody was hurt um, no. with that. But it's, it's, we missed it. That was, yes. that was it back in the bad old days, yeah. wasn't it? We missed it. We didn't do... You know, we were fighting the fire rather than preventing the fire. Which which probably helped towards the attitude change mm. a bit more, didn't it? It really did. did bring it home, so. But, you know, we needed to spend money to keep ahead of things. Yeah, which this is where we're at, isn't it? We're talking it up now. It's like tempting fate, this is. So hopefully we're with, we'll just pay respect to the health and safety god up there and say, look, you know, we're trying our best. Please don't make something happen just to make us not be smug. But, yeah. I think we're in a very good place. I think we're as good as we can be. And I think we won't be passing COVID round either. I think we've got a, a system and an attitude and an awareness that should bring everybody into line, even if they don't believe when they come turn up on site, you know, with their trailer or with their sample. Yeah. Okay, now this is, this is a bit, Ian, as you may know, that we, we actually have a beer now. I know it's, uh, you know, it's 7am on a Friday morning, but, you know, breakfast has to be... Going back to my ag student days. Yeah. <laughs> right, I am going to go. I'm going to have to disappear and get them. And uh, and uh, do you mind if we share one today? Because I had a bit of a session a couple of days ago. And I don't feel really in that mind, but I'm I'm prepared to take half a beer for the team today. As opposed, I, I think to... we can do that, can't we, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. Just to look after you. Thank you. I'll go and get the beer. Okay, right, Ian, you can do the the honours if you open up. We have got Red Church. Paradise Pale Ale, which sounds rather good. 3.7%. The bread and butter of any modern craft brewery. 
the Session IPA. I'd agree with that. Moderate alcohol content is supported by a strong malt base with added oats for a fuller body. We love a fuller body. The bouquet is explosive with fresh lime, tropical fruits and floral notes, making this fresh, easy drinking and complex in equal measure. This is rather well written, isn't it, by some wordy type. Yep, you open it. You have right, it. Andrew. I'll it. There you go. And now we'll see what your pouring skills are like compared to Webby. Oh, this this should be on video, Webby. You could learn a lot like this. Don't forget to sanitise your glass, Andrew, as I've obviously touched it. There you go. So is that the perfect head for Webby to look at? Yeah, Webby's always good with perfect head. What do you think? Looks good. Tastes good and bah, golly, it does you good. Mm. That's all right, isn't it? It's, it's, it's nice, bit, refreshing. But it's fruity again, and they, got, they keep chucking fruit in these modern types, don't they? What would you say it's a summer beer, Andrew, for sitting in a beer garden? Yeah, I wouldn't turn it down if someone bought it for me. No. But I wouldn't say it's a session IPA, because it's got the fruit in. Yeah. That'd get a little bit too sort of, not acidic, yeah, sort of that fruity... Build up after a while, wouldn't mm. it? This, I'm told by some, is the upside of doing a podcast, that drinking beer. Sometimes, when you've had too many at some point during the week, it is a tough one, you know. Hey, this week, I did my annual, some of you will remember this from other years, the Chubbuck Challenge, the farm walk. So I've walked around the farm that I have gone there for 30-odd years to assess what the crop size is going to be. And for the first time in history, they spun wheat on. And I've got to say, it looks really good in right. terms of field cover. And I think, you know, and there's massive cracks in the ground because we are short of water, as we know. But I think that's actually going to do okay, largely. Yeah. It's not going to be anywhere near last year's Stormer, which was outrageously good on that farm. But I think they will see some four-ton and acre crops. You do. And bearing in mind it was spun on. Yeah, that was actually quite uh, quite pleasing. So that was good. But, and I'm sure Neville won't mind me saying, you know, quite openly, because it's, it's on the A140, you can see the field. There's a field of rape that is just dire. And it's, you know, he's not the only one. There's going to be some terrible uh, yeah. rape yields. There's going to be a lot of people seeing whether or not they do rape anymore, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, the autumn didn't help because of the amount of water that just sat there. But um, I would say I'm, I'm re- relatively pleased that I'm not wholly convinced the barley, they've got feed barley, is going to yield, it's certainly not going to yield a, a record. And I, 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 whether the finish with the sunshine is, has been enough to get the kilo weight up, I don't know, we shall see. That'll probably do, I don't know, three to, I've, I can say now because the, the forms have been put in and everyone's written down what they think and it's in a sealed envelope. It's really very well organised by Neville and Sarah. And so, you know, it's tucked away until the decision day when we find out who's won again. But I'm on a rich streak of form where I've won four years out of the last five. I was going to say, it's normally in our bo- July board meeting we discuss this, isn't it? <laughs> it gets into the minutes. Yeah. Having not won except for once in the previous 30 years, it's kind of, it's a bit loud. I'll never catch Neville who's won at the most times because he's going to retire or sell the farm just to make sure I don't. At <laughs> some point, just as I get on, you know. Just, just to pull the rug out from underneath you. <laughs> Normally we travel from field to field, we, we drive around the whole thing and then have a proper look. We actually did, did it as a health yeah. and fitness study and we walked, and um, which was great. It really was. A, uh, it rained at one point, but we happened to be near a barn, so that was fine. But 
all of a sudden you walk in different corners of a, of a farm you haven't seen overall. And you see things you don't normally it's see. It's great. You know, that's, I think the, the beauty of farming is you've all got secret little spots that no one ever gets to see. And they're really lovely, aren't they? They are. I think that's why we do the job, isn't it? Because yeah, we, well, it's just, it's, you know, a little bridge across a ditch. I mean, the ditches down there are, are proper men's ditches, unlike yeah. the ones up here. Yeah. They're like, you know, you lose a tank down there. But some of the pits and the ponds that are there that are just little islands of diversity and they never going to get filled in no it's just interesting oh it is it's and the history behind why they're there as well sometimes there's always usually a story isn't there grandfather was after some well, flint or something yeah it's a, a secret pleasure that i think farmers as you as you get older do you still appreciate it you know i think you do more and more oh, um, good just seeing bits of it and the other thing you notice is how a farm kind of the health of it is you know that neville and Michael Chabok are very good farmers. They've been very good farmers for a long time. They've now outsourced to, to someone to, to do that. You know, Rob Alexander does their farming yeah. for them. He's a neighbour and he does a very good job. But the health of the farm has come over several years of really being focused on your indexes and just and doing it properly. And there's others, you know, who are close by who have not had that attention to detail. And it isn't just a one-year fix, is it? If you no. took on a, a field that's been neglected for a long period of time, it takes how many years to get it back to its potential it can take decades can't it you know if you've got a heavy weed burden yeah you you know that takes a long time to get back on top of yeah and different management techniques yeah i mean well everybody listened to their agronomist last year and didn't plant their wheat did they until they thought well it'll rain then then we'll get going and they never got the chance which is why they ended up in the place they were at absolutely other than that, you're right. It is how much black grass is on other people's fields and how much isn't on yours. That you know, there's black grass around. Yeah. But management of that is a dedicated and focused, conscious, aware decision to make, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're going to target it with chemicals, with roguing, with cultivation techniques. Yeah. When do you reckon you'll start harvesting? I reckon uh, we've got no winter barley, so we'll be early August. I would hope. We did have some September drilled wheat at ours. So, yeah, we'll be looking to cut that, um, I would have thought, probably the second week of August, depending what since Wizen's Day uh, does. That's the next major event <laughs> yeah, coming up. Right, yeah, It'll rain. I'll be at 40 days and nights. The interesting thing about Ian and his harvest is if you are on the coast, on literally on the coast, you're later. You, yeah. We've got people who will be going... This weekend, I've just arranged the first loads of new crop barley to be collected on Wednesday that will be cut on Saturday because it is a microclimate and you always have a later harvest, don't you? Yeah, we're cooler. Uh, yeah. You can go in... Way cooler. <laughs> you go in land and it'll be several degrees warmer and that has a big influence. Like yep. you were saying earlier about cutting wheat at 19%, mm. you can wait till 16%, but you could be waiting till 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon and yeah. you've lost half the day's combining. Yeah, and then at 6.30 it turns wet again, doesn't it? Precisely. Yeah, no, it's, it is a different... And, and guys like that, a central storage suit, doesn't it? It's, it it's does. It, it works well. Or invest in drying facilities, which leads on to something. This harvest with no boats about, people who don't have access to dryers are going to perhaps have a slightly... Well, a shock. Yeah. Uh, uh, they've relied on boats to give them a small allowance. And you can't sell stuff at certain moistures into the industry anymore. Some of the, the consumers will give you an allowance as well. But not... Every load can be wet going into them, can they? No, there's going to be some very glum-looking uh, colleagues Reje- rejections. About. Yes, and um, yeah, and people can't store the stuff if they've got it wet either, can they? No, 
So. And there isn't going to be the space necessarily available to store stuff because we've got carryovers, haven't we? From We certainly have, yeah. Store members will be okay, but that's ultimately the man who's invested in or thought it through, consciousness, awareness again, I'm ready, whatever happens. Anyway, Ian, I really appreciate you coming in from the coast today and talking us through this. Uh, we're ready for COVID. We're ready for harvest. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewandgrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 